0: Hello.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: It's like a. It's like a mood. It's mood lighting in here. We don't do a visual. Uh, we don't do a podcast that has a visual component to it's it. It's dark. So, um, but it's very moody in here. Just to say the least, we're doing this at nighttime because the day got away from us a little bit, and we are doing our Papillon podcast with mood lighting with, with Papillon. Wine. And it's not weird because Andre is not here. I mean, we miss Andre. We do. We're going to be doing a podcast with him tomorrow. We're going to be recording with him tomorrow. So
1: He's getting his learn on.
0: He is getting his learn on. He's, he's getting his book learning on. He's getting ready for his holiday coming up. So, Hi hey girl, hi to Andre. We will be talking to you tomorrow, and, and that'll be awesome. But uh, he didn't go see Papillon. I don't think it was on his radar. It's not his thing. I don't know. He just He's busy. Papillon. Papillon. The 1973 um Papillon starred uh, Steve McQueen, who was at the height of his career at the time, as well as uh Dustin Hoffman, you know, this formidable actor in his own right. And what I'm not going to do on this podcast about Papillon is compare the two. I think you can enjoy both things. I think you can enjoy the past and the present, okay? Uh, one need not hate one to enjoy the other. I enjoyed the 1973 Papillon, and I watched it at the beginning of the year, anticipating. Actually, I watched it last year, thinking the movie was going to come out sooner than it did, but because I think there was problems with the company, the parent company, or one of the companies involved with producing the film, it slowed down. Um, mm. The release of the film. I'm not quite sure what happened. That's the word on the street. I'm not sure how reliable that is. Something around red granite. I don't know. But Bleecker Street came in. Saved the day. And uh, we have the film coming out. Probably almost two years and some change after it was made. So when Rami Malek and Charlie Hunnam are out there doing their press tour. You can see them kind of squinting a lot. Going, okay, what happened? Uh, What happened that time? I think they remembered Nudity. Being wet, how hot it was, and then how cold it was, shrinkage, and uh Charlie will never forget the fact that he had to you know he they shot the film sequentially as best they could, which is unusual in the film business and uh, in t v as well um and so he had to lose like thirty five to forty pounds on camera, so those are the big stories that are coming out of it, and he had to do that back to back for films and that is really hard on the body by the way
1: what was the what 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 was the last one he had to do
0: um I think he did it for lost city of z oh. so um so yeah i don't know i don't know if those things actually are important i mean they are important of course obviously you know an actor losing that kind of weight it it does matter. What I can tell you about my experience is that I enjoyed 2018's Papillon, and here's why. Um, I never paid too much attention to Charlie Hunnam. It's not because I dislike him. I just uh, I knew he was on Sons of Anarchy. I tried to watch that show. I couldn't get into it. I'm not saying it's a bad show. Had I got, I got past maybe the first couple of episodes, and I'm going to go back and give it a shot now because... I enjoyed Charlie thoroughly.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too.
0: And Papillon. Yeah, I totally did. So um, I, he was wonderful in this. Like we were both looking at each other at the end of this going – because, okay, so it, it's no secret in my house that I totally loved uh, Rami Malik and anything that he's in. If he's if he's going to read the phone book, um, I'm I'm there. You know, I'm going to watch um, whatever he's going to be doing. Uh, I'll watch BoJack Horseman. He's going to be in Dr. Doolittle. I've watched all of the Night of the Museums. I've seen everything Rami's been in except for I couldn't get my hands on um, the pilot for Believe. I think he's in a show called Believe. But I, I've seen The War at Home and over there. I've seen him many times as Snafu. I did not realize that he was Snafu. I didn't realize that the guy I was watching in Mr. Robot was a guy in, in – um, uh, also the guy in the Pacific. And I love him. I love his work ethic. I, I just I love a lot of things about this actor. And they don't make him like this every day. I do think he is a man of his own time, and I really appreciate him. So I'm kind of crazy about him. So anything that he's in, I drag you to. And I drag you to Buster's Malheart.
1: I don't think you made me see the um the twilight one.
0: No, I did not.
1: But I think I ended up seeing it by proxy because you were watching it and, and I you walk- walked in the room. And
0: then you rolled your eyes.
1: And I farted.
0: Probably on command. You're really good at that. You can so If I tried to fart on command, I would chart. Anyway, so I was dragging you to this because anything Rami's in, even whatever the 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 thing is, he's always good. And we ended up both like really enjoying both of their performances. Like I'm not surprised about Rami, but I was kind of surprised at Charlie because I don't know anything about him. And I'm not going. I'm not going in compa- comparing. Charlie to Steve McQueen, Rami to Dustin Hoffman. I'm not doing any of that noise. I mean, if you did that, that's cool. That's fine, man. Do your thing. But for me, I just wanted to say, is this a good film? And I thought it was quite good.
1: Yeah, because I mean, if someone's going to compare Rami to Dustin Hoffman, you know, then it would stand to, to. To go that I would compare Charlie Hunnam to Sons of Anarchy. And I didn't like Sons of Anarchy the first time I saw it. Yeah. But so, like, yeah. like you, I went through, I went to it with, like, Charlie Hunnam being this character, mm-hmm. Papillon, and, you know, Rami not being Elliot or anything else we've seen him in. Right. But just Louis Degas. Yeah. And they were great. I really enjoyed it.
0: I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, the material is what it is. I think sometimes I'll expect more of things that are that are there. I think what Michael Noor was trying to do, and it was beautifully directed by the way, by Michael Nor, Danish director. I think he did a hell of a job. Um, they built this real life fucking they built a, a solid fucking prison um, in Malta, or is it um, Montenegro, wherever they built that prison to depict you know the cruel. A French Guiana prison, back in the colonial times, colonial France. When was this? Nineteen thirty-one. When Henri uh, goes to prison, he's a petty thief, or well, he's sort of a mid-level thief. He gets framed for the murder of a pimp, and he's sent there. Now, the real, the real Papillon, Henri. Uh, don't what is his last name? It should be in front of me, but anyway, the real Papillon. I wrote this book. It's Henri Char- Charrier. I don't know. I'm probably not saying that right. Yeah,
1: I can't. I can't
0: Henri Charrier. I, if I'm saying that wrong, Henri, wherever you are, sir.
1: It's <laughs> Henri. It's not Henry.
0: Well, I mean, if I'm saying it the French way, am I saying it right French-wise? I don't know. Then Henri, it's like Jorge, you know. It's George. Like, or Horse uh, Jesus, you know, if you're looking at people. Anyway, so he, he – he's. He does admit that it's an amalgam of stories that he experienced while he was there, and he was determined as soon as he got to uh, French Guyana that he was going to get the fuck up out of there because the place, the place had like very simple rules. It's like you'd run away, uh, they give you two years in solitary. You'd run away the second time, they give you five years in solitary. Third time, they put you in Devil's Island. So I thought it
1: was, I thought it was um, second time, five years, plus Devil's Plus Devil's Island. Island. Yeah. I
0: wasn't paying attention. I would have been a shitty uh, prisoner. I would have been thinking, like, well, I can just get five years. I'm cool, right?
1: And if you kill somebody, then you get get executed.
0: Straight up. So, like, there's just, you know, there's no rehabilitation that I'm believing that. The warden pretty much says that. And he's a cheeky bastard because he's wearing all white in the desert in this nasty place. So he's that motherfucker wearing his all white. He reminds me of the boss man in Cool Hand Luke. Uh, straight up reminds me of that guy. What we have here is failure to communicate.
1: You um, know funny in, in, the, in the thing yeah. was that um, Papillon, Charlie Hunnam's character, ages. And yes. it didn't seem like the, uh, to me, it didn't seem like the uh, the warden aged at all. After, even after I the saw, five years. I
0: saw it subtly. and here's Was what, it
1: like Grey Streak or something? I think there
0: was something. He got more jowly. Here Here's what I kind of saw. I don't know if it was a trick of the eye, but Yorick, who plays um, the warden, I feel like they gave more sag to him. Like he got more soft and more jolly. So Yorick Van Wageningen. Sorry, sir, please. Again, I'm a redneck. What do you want? I'm barely speaking English, guys. So so the actor who plays Warden um, Barreau. He, I felt like he got more sallow and soft. I see the Pabillon because that kind of extreme um, solitary confinement—it's torture—and he spent a lot of it in the darkness. Right? Um, he was found out because is sending him coconuts, and and the he gets punished for that, and blah blah blah. So Hanum is putting himself to this thing where he's getting more um, emaciated. You can see it in his neck in the profile. You can see Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, the, the change the in, in, is drastic And in I him. feel like
0: if we went back and watched it again, you would see what they did with the warden Barrow. He looks heavier in a way, hmm. more saggy. and they put the, But it's subtle. I don't know if he gained weight to Hanum's losing weight. Whereas Degas, who's, you know, had sunshine and he's, you know, he's got a scar on his face. I don't know where that comes from. Did he pick that up when he was running away initially with with Papillon? But he's got, you know, he's, he's seen some shit.
1: Or maybe he got it when he got beat.
0: Maybe. But the thing of it is, is he's learned a way to survive. You know, he's obviously been sunburnt and he's now become the warden's bookkeeper. And so you see these two men form this unlucky relationship. I think if we had had more time. I mean, I'm talking about a little, maybe another 25 minutes is all I'm suggesting. We would have had a little bit more time for a modern audience to get um, why Papillon would not give up Degas. I don't know if people, a lot of people are struggling, I'm seeing in the reviews and the audience, that they're not understanding how these two men would bond so quickly. And I think, obviously, Papillon sees Degas, you're my ticket out. You know, I know you got some. You got a, you got a lot of money up your butt. You're scrawny. You're not gonna make it out of this. I can protect you. Degas, you know, who's a snob, who's never been in this situation, goes after he sees like the dude next to him get him get gutted on the ship. They haven't even gotten to French Guiana. He's like, oh, maybe I'll take you up on your order of protection. So the the thing with this is he's going to fund Papillon's escape while he can get him set, set up on the island, and Degas believes that he's going to win his appeals, even though the case against him is even worse than Papillon's because he's actually defrauded the French government selling these, like, junk bonds, forging junk bonds. So he's he's defrauded the French government. They ain't going to let that slide, right? So I think... The there's a lot of people who are struggling with like why they had to go through what they went through and I think what 73 did a little bit better than 2018 I don't know what the running time on these two films are but I feel like the one in 73 was a little bit longer um, and there was some time and pacing to show you why Pap had such feelings for Degas and the director has explained us, to us that this is a love story between two men, and I don't think he means it in a – I mean, it could be romantic. It could be whatever, but I think it's mostly like when you have nothing else and you just – you have each other, you can find love in the most unlikeliest of places, right? It, and, it was like – it right. was
1: about 20 minutes longer, 73.
0: Okay. So, so and there that, you go. It's Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for proving my point. So that, that extra 20 minutes, I think – maybe it was it was there and it was left on the cutting room floor um i think that extra 20 minutes to to build the case for why papillon would go through such confinement and such shit and then go back and save louis and be there for him i felt like that's what let the film down because it was so well made and so well produced and there was you could tell just blood sweat and tears were literally put into this that um, I wish they had left whatever they had shot in. It would have been fine. I think I think audiences were going to either love or hate this picture. It was either yeah. going to suffer by comparison or no one was going to get it. And I, I don't know if that was there. I haven't read anything to say that they – maybe they shot it in, in brevity. I don't know. But I felt like because I understood 73 and what they were shooting for and had read a, a good portion of Henri, Henri's uh, memoir – I think it suffered from not showing why the the little bit of that why wasn't there for people, and I feel that that's what let it down
1: yeah so, i can I can see that I can see people having that that issue i mean, yeah, now thinking of it, why would he go to those extents of
0: right and it's and it's in if you see it in the seventy three film that's what's there that's not in two thousand and eighteen is there's a resignation that they both come to what the film does do is what, and what 73 did again, I'm trying to compare, but you know, Papillon is seen as this really strong guy. He's got all this muscle and Degas is seen as the wimp, but in actuality, Degas is a very strong person. Um, he's made of grit. There's something underneath that exterior that he's a sur- he can survive. He's a scrapper in his own right. So I feel like they do get that point across. That without you know those seven years, the Papillon's away.
1: Well, he had to. They
0: guy's is still there when he comes yeah. out, man. You know he had to still-
1: survive mm-hmm. growing up because you know, his father beat right. him right.
0: And then we get this kind of like it feels a little it feels a little bit of a pulling a punch a little bit. But I'm glad we know it. That Degas' father beat him, and perhaps come, he comes from two school teachers. So there was sort of like that little twist and shock there. I liked Rami's performance. Um, you have to understand that time and period. I think that this is how uh, people from upper crust held themselves. This affectation, this way people spoke, it was a part of society. So I like the way he kind of brought. That out and where Papillon was more coarse in that he was casual, right? What probably bothered some people maybe is that nobody spoke French. This yeah. is all you know, otherwise, if I wasn't like a huge fan of like these actors, <laughs> I would have been like, Why isn't anybody speaking French? Why are we but just see, speaking French?
1: That's the thing is like, and I guess they it was a, a I don't know what what the original was because I didn't see that, but I think. It was good of them to just at least if they're gonna keep everything unif they, that they keep everything uniform. Sure, like some people.
0: It didn't distract me. I'm yeah. just saying I haven't even heard that criticism. And just saying, like,
1: oh. it would have been it would have been really weird if people some people had French accents and some people didn't.
0: Yes, that would bother you know? me.
1: But they kept it, you know. Yeah. All and it was weird because I even thought that I was like. Everyone sounds like they're from the Midwest. Yeah,
0: 1931, France. Yeah. Hey, man, what's up? I'm like, uh, what's going on? And, and all the even, gangsters sound like they were from in Chicago. Even in France, they were,
1: it was like that, yeah,
0: it was. Know? and even the gendarmes and everything were like, yeah. yo. It was, okay, I get it. It's, an so. it's a Danish guy making a film for an international audience, but, you know, it's a strange choice. 73 was very much the same thing. I, I,
1: then What came to mind was like, I wonder if, you know, French cinema, if they ever took this on, and if there was a...
0: That's a good question um, They
1: just did it in, fr- in France, in Did
0: they? I don't know I don't know how Henri um, Charrier's uh I'm
1: surprised that they have regarded,
0: not see how I try to like, casually say his last name Like I've been saying it <laughs> a thousand times What were you going to
1: say? I- I'm surprised that they haven't No one in France has, has I'm taken sure they this have,
0: on. and maybe they did it from a different angle You know how the French are Or maybe the French are like, fuck you, we don't want anything to do with the story yeah. It's like the Austrians don't want anything to do with the sound of music could be the same thing. Um, a little standout performance for me. I love Eve Houston. I don't know if you guys know who Eve Houston is. I'm sure you do. Eve Houston is the daughter of Paul Houston. Who is Paul Houston? That is Bono. If you're a YouTube fan, um, this is his daughter. I loved her in the Nick. Uh, I think she's got quite the acting chops. She's in this for a minute. She plays Henri's uh, girlfriend, Nanette. She obviously is an, a, an entertainment girl. I'm not going to call her a prostitution or a sex worker. Feel like maybe, you know, she's just a a hospitality girl um, in that kind of set. But she shines even her brief period of time. She really does. If you want to see her in action, she's been in several things, but she really pops on screen in the nick if there's a way to find that show anymore. We don't get Cinemax anymore. If you have Cinemax, it's on on repeat there. Um, Probably buy it on Amazon. But yeah, it's Bono's daughter. She looks a lot like her mother. She looks a lot like Allison Houston.
1: That's so weird is that... You know... Uh, what was it? That Rami and Sammy went yeah. to... Went They went somewhere with her.
0: I don't think they went with Eve. They went with the red campaign.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So here's what I guessed. I don't know if this is true or not. I know that after... Because Rami spent about he spent almost two fucking years. If you if you counted all the days, it's probably been two years that he worked on Bohemian Rhapsody, right? So then, I think you know he takes his little time and whatever, and he ends up somehow going to uh, Africa. I don't know exactly where he was in Africa. I know he was on the continent and working with the Red Campaign. Which I know is is close to the heart and soul of Allison Houston and Bono and those guys. Steven uh, Spielberg and whatever. And he was working with the actor who was in Hamilton. Um Monez. I don't Javier Monez. So he was there with him. So I don't know if like Eve Hewson was hanging with Rami and said, My parents are working on this, and he had been working on Bohemian Rhapsody, and it was a big AIDS project, and you know, my peanut well, butters and your chocolate. I don't know what happened. It no. felt like maybe that was one of those cosmetic no. things that might have happened. I don't know. Well,
1: it's is just weird because is they didn't have any scenes together.
0: Well, if you think about it, in the Unless, very-
1: unless only that, right. that one.
0: So when Henri and, uh, and Nanette are going through the streets, and he's giving her the necklace and a couple of the big diamonds that he stole. And they're walking around town, and he's smoking, and they watch this street fair. You see the back of Rami's head. We'll see that in flashback later, and he's the clown in the stripy, like you know, onesie in the street. So it very well could have been because they were all in that scene together that yeah. they could have chitty chatted. And Rami, being the flirt, flirty, flirt, flirt guy, he is you know, I just did. You know, I'm gonna do Bohemian Rhapsody. I hope I haven't gotten the part yet. Well, my dad, it's blah things, blah things. That's right. Up. That's
1: right. That's before his Lulu days.
0: I don't know. I don't talk about that stuff. I don't know who's with who. It don't matter to me. No, never mind to me. All right. Official word. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you do you, Rami. Uh, y'all take care of y'all selves. So I I liked it. I really, um, I was impressed with it. I don't, a lot of people are saying it was like unnecessarily violent. I don't think so. I think it was depicting a very specific time in French history. These these particular prisons were were I think exceptionally brutal. Yeah,
1: I, I don't I don't understand that criticism either.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just, dude, it sucked. This is you were this was like going to um, where did I gotta go? Uh, Mandela, you know, it's like going to Robben Island. It's like you know you're just they're just putting you in a black hole, you know. They're just forgetting about you, you know they're just throwing away the key. And when you get to Devil's Island and you see just how bereft that is, I mean, people there's no guards. They drop off a basket of food, you're free to roam around on this rock, and if you jump in the ocean, what? You know either,
1: either you don't survive the fall, right or you don't survive the ocean. Right. so:
0: So Pappy, who lived to tell this tale. You know, he says, "I, you know, in his spirit, he's like, I'm never, I'm not going to stay incarcerated. This is just not going to. First of all, he hasn't committed this murder. He might be a petty theft, but a petty thief, but he doesn't deserve this punishment. Yeah. And I dare say that guy doesn't deserve this punishment either. Okay, you defrauded the French government, but fuck, dude, you're going to stick him on a rock. And because he helped Papillon, you know, they, they escaped somewhat. They do get, they partially escape and get to what I'm going to call... Um, very strange Coachella. Um, and they get ratted out by the nuns. Ain't that like a nun? Um, movie nun, real nuns are actually fine kind of cool, but it seems like the movie nuns are kind of mean. Same thing happened in '73. That bitch turned him in as well. He got away and then the bitch turned him in. Fucking nun. So you just you just think nobody deserves this kind of fucking punishment. And you see that Degas has life has moved on past him. He hears that his wife his married is a lawyer, he's completely adapted to where he is. He has his little garden. He has his, you know, his cave-like place inside this. He's
1: doing his wall paintings. His wall paintings. Everything. And yeah. he's
0: telling his story, his cave paintings. It feels like the early man. And, you know, he's got enough tobacco, I guess, to get a ration of tobacco. And. And when Pap, you know, goes to round up his coconuts and to jump over the side and to swim away. Which is, this is what Henri uh, says that he did. That's how he said he he escaped. You know, Degas said, you know, you have to leave for the same reasons I have to stay. This is, this is who I am. Although, don't underestimate Degas. He stabbed the, the straight razor shit. Out of uh, Celia, Roland Muller's character. Yep, in the boat. That dude was a big ass motherfucker, just kept threatening him and threatening him and threatening him.
1: Papillon had to pull him off.
0: Papillon was like, it's like, I want to tell y'all something. Don't fuck with little tiny people all the time. We will we're mean, yo. We are all the time.
1: Jack you like a spider monkey.
0: You back me up into a corner, man. I'll climb you like a motherfucking tree and I will chop you down from the top up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Um, he like straight up like killed old Roland and then they dropped his ass over the side. Uh, I loved it. Is it Joulon? Uh, Michael Soka, I think played this character. He was the guy. Uh, maybe it wasn't. Um, maybe that's not the right character. Maybe it's Machoret who plays the guy who's being hounded by the guard it's a very small part it's a larger part in the 1973 film
1: oh they gave they gave that character more time there
0: yeah they gave him a little bit more time there um again that film like i said there was that extra 20 minutes in 1973 i think made all the difference in how it was uh, perceived in a lot of ways so i like how he ultimately takes degas side and tries to get the knife away because he's a shrimp too he's like I've been picked on. I'm, I'm going to relate to the small guy more than I'm going to relate to your fucking ass who's bullying everybody. Uh, and he was having a fine time. Looked like he was going to have a threesome there on the island. And then the nuns routed him out and then ended there. Um, good time. It stuck with me. Uh, it really stuck with me. I'm glad that... I, I just had a... I didn't have a... a I'm not going to say I had an awesome time, but... I was thoroughly um, entertained. I was on the edge of my seat. I enjoyed the performance. And again, I have this now healthy respect for Charlie Hunnam. And I mean, I came here for Rami Malek. Now I'm staying for Charlie and Rami. And I want to see maybe some other stuff that he's been in now. I want to see like what was the Lost City of Z about.
1: So are we going to give that Sons of Anarchy another
0: you know what? It was so popular. Maybe not. I mean, like, like Gotham. I'm watching Gotham for Andre. Hey, I'm watching. I'm watching Gotham for you. Just you. I did not like the pilot so much. But I'm like, the second episode really picked up for me. I'm just- going to do the same thing with Sons of Anarchy. I'm going to give it at least five, six, seven episodes. Because, you know, I bailed on the pilot of Mr. Robot. Yeah, that's true. And I thought it was kind of pretentious and bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And then I came back and I'm like, what What was wrong with me? This show is amazing. So I could be missing something about Sons of Anacree. Everybody was talking about that show. And everybody was talking about Charlie Hunnam on that show. So I feel like it behooves me to at least give it several episodes in to give it a try. I thought it was great. And again, I wasn't sitting here looking for Steve McQueen. I wasn't looking like a look-alike or a sound I was, jailed to, I was there in that prison cell with him. Those quiet moments when we kind of... They track us through the first two years of solitary confinement. He does a fucking hell of a job with being in that place. And I know that he stayed in silence for eight days. He stayed in semi-dark. He lost the weight on screen. Normally, I would roll my eyes at that and go, have you heard of Meisner? Please stop suffering. Jesus Christ. But I think he made it work. And I think he and Rami elevated one another.
1: They were really, they they had a lot of on-screen chemistry. And they
0: do even off-screen. I like to see them together. Their whole press tour has been just a, a funny, funny fucking lark. I love it. So that's, I don't have too much more to say about that. I think you guys should see it. I mean, wait yeah, for it on streaming. It. I mean, I mean, I, I'm gonna go to the theater to see a Rami Malek joint every time just because I'm that I'm that guy. Um, but you know, wait for it on streaming. I think it'll. There's a lot of older people in the theater when we went to see it. they were like, Papi, I'm gonna see this. I love this.
1: There was like, there was literally one, two, three, four, five, six, including us. There were mm-hmm. six people in the theater,
0: and we were there. Was me and you, and then one young guy, and everybody else was old. Yeah, like old, like. 80s old
1: well there was so. you and me and then there was that guy sitting to our right uh-huh. and there was some lady sitting down in the middle because she got up right during right at the beginning of the credits and then there was that old couple in the front that stayed was, throughout the whole credits there was,
0: but there was an old man by himself that you missed where yeah it's like the stanley looking dude in shorts oh. i missed the lady you were talking about anyway
1: was it the oh, i don't know because i just i just know that The two people down the middle left, Mm -hmm. and the old couple and us stayed all the way to the very end credits.
0: We did. This is probably the least interesting part of this conversation about Papillon, but just wanting (laughs) you to know— Go to the
1: theater and see it, support them Or, or,
0: you know, I'm fine with you not seeing it in the theater I mean, it's not, it wasn't expected to break any records I think they were just happy that it came out And I think it stands alone as a really good body of work For both of these actors and for this director And for the rest of the cast You said it did well in the festivals I did, I mean, people like appreciated it and loved it You know, a lot of people are shitting on it And wanting it to be other stuff But then again, what does Sammy Smell say about critics? They have shitty taste um, speaking of Sam Ismail, this bomb dropped this morning. You and I were at the IHOPs having our breakfast, and you pulled up on the Twitter fear, Twitter sphere, that from the uh, from the official source that season four will be the final no. season of Mr. Robot. I'm not. I'm kind of semi shocked because I know Slater, who was out um, on press for the wife. Let it slip that he thinks that season four was going to be it. And then they're hitting up Rami on, you know, Slater just said season four was going to be it. Rami, ever the probably ambassador and and being a little bit more maybe subtle than Slater sometimes, was like, I don't know. It's his birthday. I'll have to hit him up and ask him if that's really what's happening. He didn't really want to commit to it either way. I don't think Rami knew. I don't know. I think he did.
1: Well, Carly didn't know.
0: I think Romney would know. Sam calls him up and tells him, like, you know, what he ate for breakfast. I guess. Those two girls.
1: Those, but because 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 Carly said, oh, I just found out just like you guys.
0: And- maybe, you know, and maybe, okay, maybe I'm overestimating the relationship that Romney and Sam Ismail have, but I feel like, I
1: think. I think Slater was snooping around somewhere. And or
0: just- maybe Slater just was like a sieve and he was bursting at the seams and he was just like, fuck it, it's happening. Like, they told me I could. I don't know. Whatever really goes on, people are human beings. Um, I wasn't mad at any of that. I think it's it makes sense. I think they were going to try to eke out... I think Sam has always seen four to five seasons for Mr. Robot. I think he started seeing that maybe he, perhaps he was had already shot more of his wad than he needed to in three. And so now it's like, okay, we got to do it in four. I don't feel like... Anything interfered with it, I don't. He doesn't give a shit about season two ratings. A lot of us don't. It's a he meant. He meant for this to have a little cult following. That's season why,
1: two was awesome. That's why
0: he parked it on USA. He didn't expect it. It did have this blow up fandom that it did. It got rave reviews for Rami. It it got rave reviews for Slater. Gave him a little bit of a shot in the arm. Everybody got to know another side of Carly. We saw that Portia Doubleday has some chops. We got to see these wonderful character actors. Grace Gummer has been amazing. Uh Gloria Rubin's been amazing. Um, you know, the, the people who play Romero and um Trenton and Mobley. There's been so many Michael Dreyer, all these performances have been Beatty Wong, Grant Chang. The the show has has really turned us on to some people that we forgot about or people that we haven't seen in this light, and obviously has introduced us to a whole new side to to Rami Malek. So I'm cool with it. I think it was a little bit like oh shit, and I I thought they were going to do, be doing production on it in November because that's what they were talking about. They were going to be shooting in New York in November. Uh, I think it's just going to be around November December that they're shooting um four and someone saying it's going to premiere in january where that's impossible because it's 12 episodes
1: yeah if they're and they're shooting it well i don't know they could get it if you if you start shooting in november you can get it out by january sam
0: can Uh, this this cast and crew could get something fucking done if they wanted to churn it out but i feel like you know i know we see that rami and sam met over this project and they're going to be doing American Radical together. I do see Rami as an upcoming. I think he's going to be a hell of a producer. I think one day he's going to direct. I just see that in his his wheelhouse. And I think this is we saw the beginning of a beautiful thing between these two guys. So I'm not mad at it being season four. I don't want it to stretch into season five if they're just trying to. If he's trying to stretch it out, Ismail has always known how the series is going to end. So with that happened today, I was a little bit like, what? And that was official.
1: Oh, official.
0: After Slater let it slip, that's it. So Sl- if Slater knew, I can't see Sam telling Christian and not telling Rami. And maybe Carly's a better actor than any of them. Oh, I just found out. I feel like all of them <laughs> knew, and Carly just did a better job of pretending like she didn't know.
1: Everyone did their job and kept quiet.
0: Yeah, and Rami was just like, I don't know about that, homie. Um, I don't want to like throw my dude under the bus, but at the same time... My other dude, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. I think it's gonna be amazing. 2019, wait, are we getting Game of Thrones 2019? We're not 2020 or well, later in 2019. Now,
1: yeah, we don't know because it's gonna qualify for the 2020 Emmys, right. So I don't know how that works.
0: I don't know how that works either. I don't care about uh, any of that. But so I think it's going to come out in 2019. So we're going to have Mr. Robot and last season in Game of Thrones 2019. Whole lot of weeping and wailing. What what will I have to live for? Barry on HBO last season of Preacher. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Preacher, that's going to be our next um, podcast. We're going to talk about the season finale and all that happened and. This last season on Preacher. Uh, yeah, again, if you if you haven't seen it in the theater, I think it's beautiful. The score, by the way, let's go back to Papillon. The score in Papillon, amazing. Yeah. Andre would actually love it. Andre, you should watch this when it comes out on streaming because I thought the score was gorgeous. It was sparse, and then it ended in this very powerful way. I loved the score. It was gorgeous. So I'll
1: watch it again when it comes out on Netflix. I'm
0: going to own it. I'm going to buy it. We're going to own this one because I think it's one of those where I'm just going to, as I'm celebrating and crying, uh, as Mr. Robot ends, I'll probably just have a big Rami Malek film festival. Do not roll your eyes at me. Stop it. Okay, you guys take care of yourselves and we will see you very soon or you will hear us very soon. You never really see us. Maybe in your mind's eye. Uh, We'll see you soon, and we'll be talking about uh, the next thing that we'd like. So you guys take care of yourself, and I love you.
1: Peace.